Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, welcome to the Ravshers Rapture Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Bassetti, joined, as always, by Brian Boak. And joining us today, we have James Hollis, a.k.a. Snotty Drippin'. How's it going, James? Boke and Bassetti. Sound like a detective pairing on a, on a TV show. Uh, yeah, actually have the pilot coming soon, so um, that could be joining. It'd be good. Hey, your first episode. Your first episode could be where is Bruno book book blow? <laughs> He's two years away from showing up, so international man of mystery. James, I've actually tried to watch. I've actually tried to watch film on Bruno, and uh, it, it's so weird because sometimes he looks like, oh man, that guy's gonna be something, and then other times I, I just wonder. Was he made in a lab? And like, was he supposed to be a basketball player? And then put the motor in? I don't know. He, I always thought like eventually, you know, this year he really will. Like, obviously you give up on really having hopes for him, but like, I always thought he was going to make his way into like, uh, at least a rotation guy. And every time it just came up short. Uh, and it, you know, it, it just goes to show you that players like Giannis truly are just an anomaly. Because yeah. you can have all the physical tools, you can have the athleticism. If you just don't have that something, it just doesn't work. Yeah, you got to have the instinct and kind of know what's going on. You can be built like Giannis. That doesn't mean you're going to be Giannis. Exactly. Jeff Green's another one. But, yeah, let's go ahead and hop into this, man. <laughs> Jeff Green. Jeff Green, former Celtic. Oh, don't start. Don't get me started. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, listen, James, for, sorry, before we do get started, for what it's worth, I was one of those guys who thought that Jeff Green was going to be a star as well, and clearly I was wrong. Uh, I mean, I thought he would be, I thought he would, I think the hard thing really just threw his whole career off for whatever reason. He seemed to be on a pretty good track to be at least a good, a good player before that, and, you know, that kind of thing can just, you know, maybe just miss time, maybe somewhere in his, it's in his head, but yeah, after that, he, he was more of a zero-sum uh, than than ever before when he came back from that. So it's it's hey yeah he's made a lot of money in his career. He was part of some good teams somehow. So yeah, I mean he's made it in the league what eight ten years. Nothing to sneeze at like you know. Yeah, so, many other, so many other guys he he came into the league with with extremely high hopes and expectations and, and it's just he's just another guy now. It's just amazing to me how many chances he gets because uh, he hasn't been good for years now, but because he <laughs> looks like he's good. He does. He, he does like all like the hey, the, the little pull up jump shots, and he'll give you a big dunk every once every three games, and you know he'll make a nice defensive play. People still think somehow that he can play, but you know it's been proven over and over again. But yeah, he's been, he's actually been okay this year. I think that it was basketball guys rewarding Cleveland for being the first team to not overpay him. Like he got signed to a minimum, and eventually they eventually the basketball guys made him into something at least kind of useful. So, I'm gonna go look. I, I can almost, I almost guarantee that he's a net negative on the court. So I'm gonna go take a look later on, and I'll tell you guys. But I can almost guarantee he's a net negative, like he's been every year, probably since since like Boston. 
Okay, James. Well, we have you on to talk about the Celtics. Uh, let's get let's go right off the bat. Who has a better chance of making the final? Celtics, Raptors. Uh, my heart says my heart says the Celtics, but I gotta be rational here. Uh, once Gordon Hayward went down, my I let I untethered from all the expectations preseason, and while Boston has already exceeded my expectations, and you know from what I had after Gordon went down, uh, there's there's still gaping flaws of that team, and there's there's still you know they're missing 23, five and four or whatever Gordon put up, and these young guys have really played well, but. We got so many guys under the age of 22 who are getting their first NBA experience that, you, and it shows sometimes. Like Boston is one of the best teams in the league at creating open shots, and then one of the worst at making them because they're just young. These guys just, just, just like we saw Tatum. Tatum's falling off. You know, and I, I'll say he slowed down a lot since his, his hot start. Um, he hit that rookie wall kind of, and it, it is what it is, man. The team, they're good, but they're not great. Uh, they can be great next season when Gordon Hayward's back, but they're good. And right now, the Raptors. The Raptors have seemed like they're the, com- they're the culmination of everything that they wanted to be the last few years. That bench coming out of nowhere, uh, maybe it's me. To me, they've come out of nowhere. I guess you guys have been watching this for a while. This bench has, has really coalesced into something special. Guys, everyone's kind of coming to their own at the perfect time. Van Vliet, uh, DeLon, your big guy, has Siakam, um, Jacob, uh, how, do you, how do you pronounce it? It's Pirtle? Pirtle, yeah. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to that because that's the most ridiculous pronunciation versus spelling <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so, yeah, the Raptors have – and the fact that, that uh, DeMar and Lowry have really bought into this new offensive philosophy, and it, it, it just really works. Uh, so, so many people – I think so many people underrate chemistry and, like, synergy on a team, and the Raptors right now are, are playing bigger than some of their parts. Yeah. So said it better myself. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, about the playing better than their parts. Individually, obviously, there's a lot of talented players. But, I mean, other than DeMar, you don't look at and find that one guy that kind of is – even DeMar, is, he's a very good player, but he's not like that tier one player, you know what I mean? So it's interesting to watch them run this system. And, again, like you said, how good the bench has been. It's really been with strike. If, if I may real quick, I want to – I want to make sure I'm clear to everyone that I have long been on the DeMar is awesome train. Even when the analytics guys were trying to argue with me, tell me how bad he was because uh, the team was, you know, his net, the net rating was higher with him off and on. And he just takes a lot of shots. And I have been a big proponent of DeMar. Uh, you know, I thought he was super, like not just last year, the year before, the year before that, because there's value in being able to get, say, hey, we're going to get 25 points a game every night from this guy. Rain or snow, he might take 30 shots some nights. Some nights will be hot. There's value to to being able to say, this guy is giving me 25 points a game under duress every game. And the fact that people underrate that really pissed me off. And so now when everybody's coming around and saying how great he is, it's pissed me off too because he's been great. A couple three-pointers don't change that. So that's my thing. That's my rant. <laughs> yeah. There's – he he was more of a flawed player. I did get some of the criticism, but – like you said, there's value in having something that you know I can get 20 from this guy every single night, and you don't, and you can build your offense around that. So I think, like you said, yeah, maybe it doesn't get it the most efficient way, but other players can be efficient when you know you got a guy who can get you 20 without any kind of offense, just him going one on one, make getting buckets. He was a walking bucket, so I agree with you there. Well, I'm going to pick up on the 
Browns is offensively consistent, but his defense has improved dramatically this year. He's, he's getting in the lanes more effectively. He's making steals. He, uh, he, he was all over Harden when we really needed him to be all over Harden in Friday night's victory, and that was not a fluke. He is playing better on both sides of the ball. And that's awesome to me. Like, sure, he's, he's, he's better defensively. He's incrementally better than other things. But even without these improvements to me, like, I, I didn't get the criticism. Because when you do so much on offense, you can't expect some – there's no perfect player other than, you know, LeBron James in his prime and Durant's really close and sure, whatever. My point is, like, yeah, there's only a couple guys that you say, okay, this guy has almost no flaws. Sure. Did, did he play defense? Not, not great. You know, he, he got tunnel vision at times. But who cares? He was giving you like 27, 4 and 4, 27, 5 and 5, whatever it was last season. That's incredible production. And sometimes production is enough to make somebody a superstar. So he wasn't quite a superstar last year. I get it. But the, 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 the critique he got over the last few years really, I, I used to like pull my hair out listening to the stat nerds just like, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm absolutely with you on that one. And, and if I could just take it a little bit further, we need to point out that both Kyle, and DeMar are down in the minutes this year. There's only two Raptors, and those are the only two who are above 30 minutes per game. And this gets back to your point earlier, James, about the bench going All the bench players are way, way up in their minutes, and this is obviously a positive trend as we head towards the playoffs, because we don't have a team that's been stretched to the limit to get to the number of wins they already have. They've been, they've been playing within themselves, Here's a quick a couple of examples. Fred Van Vliet has gone from 7.9 minutes per game last year to 19.6. Yaka Pirtle is up from 11.6 to 18.4. I can go on. But you, you get the idea. So here they are winning like crazy, and, and Kyle Lowry has gone from 37.4 minutes per game to 32.2. And he's still incredibly productive. Which is awesome because, I mean, that shows that, and my thing is, you got something if I'm wrong. Last year in the playoffs, they've just been tired, right? Uh, DeRozan and Kyle have had to carry such huge loads that, you know, sure, they haven't played well, so I'm not giving excuses for them, but part of it's fatigue. So you, you got to save your big guns for the playoffs as possible. Now I'm curious to see, this is this is the bellwether test, right? Because we know a lot of people don't believe in the Raptors right now because they keep saying the same, it's the same thing. They go, oh, well, yeah, the Raptors all look good. Let's see if playoff Kyle and playoff tomorrow show up because, you know, they, they haven't been great in the playoffs. Those two guys haven't really... Uh, <laughs> especially early in series, they'll fall behind and then maybe they'll have a good game or two. So it's, it's, it's a valid criticism. Let's see if with a little, you know, a little less load in the season, those guys can really bring in the playoff. And we know that the rotations are going to shorten. The defenses are going to be keyed in. They're playing the best of the best every night. Now let's see how that, you know, the, the new offensive philosophy, the new, uh, you know, more ball sharing system, can they keep that going in the playoffs? And, and, and how, how strong is that the new culture? Right. I, I totally agree. And yeah, Kyle Lowry last year, I believe, was second in minutes played behind only LeBron. So speaking to them being tired, I mean, when you have a guy, Kyle Lowry, who's six foot two playing the same amount of minutes as LeBron James. Yeah, that's going to take a toll on you and it's going to wear on you over the season. So the fact that he's playing less minutes this year, I don't think can be anything but good for the Raptors. Absolutely. <laughs> But do you have you here to talk about the Celtics? Um, what do you think is the Celtics' biggest strength going into the postseason? What's their biggest flaw? Uh, biggest strength, probably the depth. Uh, 
it's funny because I was, I'm going to pat myself on the back. I might tear my rotator up <laughs> patting myself on the back. Once Gordon Hayward went down, I saw, you know, oh, wow, Boston would love to get six seed. Boston might miss the playoffs. Uh, once a trade happened with Kyrie, Boston just gave up all their depth. They gave up their defense where they come from. And I looked at the roster. I saw versatility. I saw length at every position. I saw, you know, a bunch of similar size kind of forwards, which is what the NBA wants. So I'm like, what are you guys talking about? And that's, that's borne out. So they're deep. They're uh, versatile. They have, you know, veterans off the bench who can do things. Uh, and, you know, Kyrie's, Kyrie's been great. He's been better than my expectations. Al Horford's been amazing, no matter what people want to write about him. But um, so that's, that's one of the, probably the bigger strengths, uh, the fact that they do have, especially Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and Marcus Morris, they have guys you can move, you know, it's very, like, you, they can switch almost anything on almost every, any possession, unless, unless Kyrie gets caught in the coast, in the post, then, you know, they're, they're probably going to be okay, that's why the defense has been so good. Right. I would say the biggest weakness, <clears throat> the biggest weakness is uh, outside of Kyrie Irving, um, other guys struggle to create their own shots, and uh, like, again, the inconsistency of the shooters. So once again, once in the playoffs when, you know, you're, you're in, in game three or four and now the defense knows everything you're doing and it's all about execution and, and making sure you make shots, I'm, I'm concerned that, you know, again, that youth is going to rear its head and guys just won't make a lot of shots. So, I mean, I, I, Boston has the potential to make the finals uh, and they also have the potential to be, to be a first round or second round out if they just don't make shots. And we've seen them just not make shots. So... That's that's my, my my biggest concern is the inconsistency of the shooters. Yeah, to the, your point about depth, especially before the Gordon Hayward injury, but even with it, you guys have a bunch of like six seven to six four wings that you can run out at everybody. You have Brown, Tatum, uh, Morris, and Smart is only six four, but he plays like he's six seven. You just got a bunch of guys that, like you said, can switch on to everybody, and it's <clears throat> clear Ainge built. The team, as I think it looks like someone he built to try to face the Warriors that can switch and do everything. Besides Kyrie Irving, really all your guys can switch almost two through five. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, yeah, we can run lineups out with Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Morris, and like Al Horford. You're switching everything. You're not worried about anything there. That's, you know, Mark, like you said, Mark Smart is basically a, a power forward in a small shooting guard body and he played a point. So, um, yeah, man, it, it was, it, it bummed me out for about three or four solid games. And then he started on that winning streak. And I realized it is what it is, man. The injuries are part of the game. Uh, Gordon Hayward, I, I would have, they were going to the finals this year, Gordon played. And I, I said that before the season and, you know, we'll never know now, but, uh, yeah, man, it, it, I'm not, I saw people saying, Oh, Boston has to make a trade at the deadline. Boston has to do this. You don't, you don't start moving key pieces, you know, for a short-term fix when I don't know if there really was a short-term fix out there that would have put Boston over the top this year. Yeah, I agree with you, especially at the deadline. I, you're kind of playing with house money this year, I think, with Edwards' injury. So, like, why are you going to – you're more set up for the next two to three years, and even beyond that, I don't understand why you would go ahead and waste anything of value getting a guy – when you maybe a long-term guy that you can plug in, but I didn't see the point of Gary having a rental when you know that you're more built for the next three to four years anyways. You know what's, you know what's concerning to me? That uh, as, as Boston has meticulously built this roster, 
I'm more, and you, you know, we're right there. I think the Raptors are neck and neck right now. Uh, and you know, I, I don't know if Cleveland have much longer. We'll see what, what LeBron does this summer. I'm more concerned that Philly is going to do the Golden State thing and just zoom past everyone developing in front of them and end up being the top of the East because Embiid and Simmons are so dominant. That's my one concern. Yeah, I mean, go ahead, Brian. Um, yeah, I don't want to get off the Philadelphia thing, but, but before we leave the, the Boston roster, uh, Jim, I want to ask about your feelings on how Aaron Baines is helping. Uh, oh, I, I love that signing from the get-go, and it's it's so funny when I see people talk, and I wonder what, what game are they watching. <laughs> I love this guy this summer because, I mean, he's a big physical body. I knew that – I know that, you know, the like last year he was statistically solid. I didn't know how – I didn't realize how skilled he was relatively because he's not – you know, he's not a great skill, but he has a nice, he has a nice little 12-foot jumper he, uh, from, from, you know, not just from the, from the free throw line, from the, from the baseline. He's uh, really smart, and he's just strong as an ox, man. He's like a – a really poor man, Stephen Adams, or something. So I love, I love Baines. I love the fact that he has another, uh, another dimension. And now with him and Greg Monroe, like Boston, really they up the versatility again. They can play, they can play against gargantuan squads, but they can have both those guys off the squad. And I like the fact that he just seemed to really fit to the culture, right? He just, he doesn't complain. Some night he might not play much one night, and he played big, like big minutes the other night. I, 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 I can't say enough. I hope they keep him next season. Hope they find a way to bring him back. He and Monroe, are you happy with him? Has he been has he been better or more or less what you expect? He's been what I expected. Uh, I, he started off really slow. You can see that he wasn't in any kind of condition after basically sitting on the bench in, in you know Phoenix and playing a little stupid spot minutes. But um, yeah, man, he's he's a very talented player. Like I think he's been what that's like a seventeen and eight guy in his career, for most of his career. I mean, we know he can play. It's just how. It's all about matchups, and Brad Stevens is a master of exploiting matchups. So, like, we see, you know, he'll throw him in some games, and he'll play 25 minutes, and some he, he might not play all the nights, and that's what it is. Um, he's a little worse defensively than I thought, but, I mean, that's the thing. He's, he's just slow-footed. It is what it is. Yeah. He's scoring bunch, score bunches against second units. That's all we need. I feel bad for Greg Monroe. I feel if he was born 10 years earlier, he'd be – a solid player like his career would be so much different if he just was there 10 years earlier where people still played his style but I mean he's I think the underrated part about Monroe is is people know him as like a rebounding guy and scoring the post but he's actually a pretty good passer so I think that helps the Celtics as far as he kind of can slide into obviously a very poor man's version of Al Horford where they can kind of facilitate out of the post position with him similar to what they do with Horford. Absolutely. He doesn't have that defensive responsibility as Horford does, but offensively, like, you know, he moves the ball and uh, he, he looks to score when he has a mismatch. I mean, you can't ask for anything else. That was a, that was a really good signing by, by uh, Danny Ainge again. Yeah, Danny, Danny Ainge makes me crazy. I was hoping a couple of years ago that the last time the Raptors had a, had a single digit pick um, that he, that everybody would leave Jalen Brown alone and he'd somehow fall to the Raptors at nine. Obviously, that didn't happen. I was cursing Danny Ainge severely. You, I don't know if you know this, James, or not, but Danny Ainge used to play uh, third base for the Toronto Blue Jays. I did know that. Yeah, yeah. You, you did know that. Okay. So, in other words, he's got a, he's got a real significant Toronto connection. And uh, I thought, well, maybe by, by some, you know, miracle... 
I thought Jalen Brown was, I thought then, and I think now that Jalen Brown is an MVP candidate in waiting. I think that guy can do everything. And he's smart. So he might be the guy with the pure, of the highest pure intelligence quotient in the NBA. He's scary smart. And people like that, you always uh, have to have to grab them and, and take advantage of. You know what, man? It's again, I, I, glad, I, I love this podcast. I love what you guys do because we think very similarly because I don't know if you guys remember, Jalen Brown was absolutely hated by the analytics, the college analytics crowd. I think uh, ESPN did a, you know, by, by, by analytics only, Jalen Brown, was he wasn't even the top 100 prospect because they hate it. They just, just they didn't like it. the shooting and the playmaking and the turnovers. They killed him. And even, uh, you know, once they, they put in the scouting, I think he was like ranked 37th best prospect or something, which is crazy to me because, yeah, you know, I just watched him play and that kind of athleticism. And I didn't even know how smart he was coming out of college. But, yeah, the kid's going to be great. He's going to be great. So, yeah, Boston's in a good spot, man. Uh, this year, Toronto, uh, I give you guys, I give Toronto the edge just because of that continuity. A uh, little more talent up top with DeRozan and, uh, and Kyle Lowry. And, you know, Serge and your starting five are really good. And then your bench, your bench is a, a little more, your bench might not be as explosive as Boston's at times with Terry Rozier, but they're a lot more consistent. And especially defensively, the bench comes and, and really brings it for Toronto. So, yeah, yeah, you guys are in, in, a, in a really good spot this year. Well, indeed. And, and, and apropos of you uh, talking about Jalen, the, the, the guy that did fall to the Raptors at number nine was uh, your friend with the unpronounceable name, Jakob Pertl. <laughs> and and that's uh, turned out to be a, a very uh, happy selection because that guy has a, a lot going on for our team and, and he's only going to get better. Uh, absolutely. You know, I, I, like I said, I haven't watched too, too much Dishes in Toronto, but I watched, I, I took a long look at, at Pirtle before the draft, and I, I wasn't that impressed, but he's really leveraged all of his skills, his, his length, and his, his relative athleticism. He seems to be a pretty smart player, too, and he fits right into what Toronto needs, and I mean, tell, tell me if I'm wrong again, I, I don't think he'll ever be a star, but he's definitely a, a you know starter caliber player, and uh, as of now, worthy of being a rotation player on a, on a very good team, and you know, in the future, might take that starting spot. So is my is my is my assertion wrong? Mike, why don't you answer that first and I'll take a run at it after. Uh yeah, I I pers I'm of the crowd. I'm always kinda biased towards centers who are a little bit more skilled defensively. Like that's just something I value in a center more than kind of a plotting guy like Jonas. Um I think it's not gonna be next year, but I think you could find a situation where Pirtle hops into the starting lineup and you use JV as kind of like that really talented bench score that comes in with your second unit and kind of leads your second unit um, as an overall score. Brian, what do you think? Um, I certainly agree with your comments about Jakob and his defense and the importance of that. And, and uh, James, if you want to have a quick uh, peek at, at um how valuable Jakob is. Take a look at his uh, block shots for 36 minutes. It'll raise your eyebrows. Um, but in terms of what his future looks like, he can continue to be sort of a defense only and then an occasional chip in with a bucket guy. But And that will always be the case unless he learns how to, to take a shot for the, the length of his arm from the basket because he's got to learn to shoot. He hasn't shown any... Uh, capability of that so far at the NBA level. He's not really a leaper. He's more of a timer in terms of how effective he is as a defender. 
So he's going to have to learn how to leap better, and he's going to have to learn how to shoot from further away. If he can do those things, and that's a tall order. Uh, he will, he could push a lot of people aside in terms of being a, a front line in the center. Yeah, he could develop that nice like mid-range jumper, even out to like the foul line kind of sh- uh, short corner. That would be huge for him. But yeah. well. Um, I 100% made up the term assertion. That's not even a real word, and you got to let me do it. So that's one thing. Uh, two, two. Like, so, but so you don't think that, uh, it, like, let's say down the road, I'm not sure how much longer. Like, how old is JV? Uh, maybe 20, 26. I think, 26. I can look it up real quick here. Uh, I'd say 26, 27. Well, let's say he's not the long term answer anyway. Like I say, he moves to the bench. You don't think a rim running defensive, you know, catching lot like catching catching stuff around the rim that you need more from your centers what you're telling me you, you don't think that that's uh that's worthy of a starting spot no that's those are the kind of players i love the problem is he's not he's not a great rim runner in the fact that he's not super explosive vertically you know what i mean you're not getting like capella around there but he is he's really effective finishing around the hoop and he's good he's a good offensive rebounder so i i think if he just kind of fills out his game a little bit more. I'm a big fan of his, like, I love the kind of rim running center. I think that's kind of what everybody's moving towards. You either get the skill guy like Kat that can bring people out, or you get the guy who just rim runs, plays defense, and rebounds for you. Seven seconds or less, going back 10 years. Clear the model that, that all teams are, are giving them. So if you can't move as a center, you can't play. The teams will go small and destroy you. And so yeah, Yakup has to has to get faster. Uh, he's his capability as a rebounder. And, and I'm glad you brought this up. Like I said, as an offensive rebounder, Pickard said he's very good positionally and he's got extremely good hands. But Pickard is below. Well below average, so uh, if he can get that, he's, he's going to be a scary guy because he's got a lot of talent and he's smart. And he's got a nice chemistry with Siakam, so I think that's helpful too. Oh, it's a bromance going on there. It's a, <laughs> it's a local joke here in Toronto with those two. Siakam skills. <laughs> no, you know what the Raptors uh, bench reminds me of? You guys remember that uh, that book, uh, Animal Farm? <laughs> yeah. In Animal Farm, uh, they took, like, the dog had puppies, and one of the, the pigs just took the puppies, and you don't hear about them until the very end. And all of a sudden, these, these big attack dogs come out of nowhere. <laughs> that's, that's what Raptors Bench reminds me of. We don't, I, you didn't think about, if anyone outside of Toronto did not think about, uh, you know, Fred Van Fleet and, and DeLon, DeLon Wright and, you know, even, you know, Siakam and, and Pearl. No one thought about those guys going to come in the season and do much of anything. And all of a sudden, Toronto has the best bench in the league, and it's been percolating for a couple of years, right? You've been you've been grooming these guys, you know. It just just didn't, you didn't just sign these guys to draft this year. This has been happening for a couple of years, so that's what it reminds me of. You guys just kind of came out of the weeds, and, and all of a sudden, boom, you got a super bench that you know no one was paying attention to. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the reason you didn't think of them is the fact they're drafted late in the first round, and Masai's been the. I, just kind of a master at picking those guys late in the first that end up being something like Siakam not, is not a lottery pick. Elon Wright, Fred Van Vliet, like all those guys 
Ananobi's not part of the bench, but he's still one of those guys you got at the end of the first round, which I think is like says a ton about your drafting capabilities from Masai. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't own every transaction like Ainge, but he he works his way around. Sure. So as we look forward, James, what do you think? If I had to predict it right now, I'd say it's probably Raptors one, Celtics two, Cavs three. What do you think your guys' chances are of taking down LeBron so we don't have to? Um, 35%. Okay. I mean, it's, it's still like, it, it's, my head says it's a lot higher than that because the way we played Cleveland and sure, Cleveland Bulls, they blew them out. When, you know, Cleveland got those new guys and they blew out Boston. It, to me, that was just an like, adrenaline rush kind of, uh, you know, we had no scouting on them. We've seen that since those first two games, I think Cleveland's like four and five, you know. They, they're kind of fell back to all habits. Uh, Hood hasn't been, and now Hood's out. You know, Shetty Ogden's out. They, they're having some injury issues. Cleveland's definitely most, the, more, the most vulnerable they've been in years. Um, so maybe maybe 45%, maybe even better. But, again, you know, Boston missing a key piece. And, and I, I wonder, again, playoff time, LeBron's been playing 40 minutes. He's going to be, go, you know, he's going to be locked in. When LeBron's locked in, there's not a lot, there's not a lot anyone can really do. So, um, yeah, I'd say 40%, maybe. Yeah, and, you, I mean, you guys, as we talked earlier about those six, seven wings, you guys got a million guys that you can throw on LeBron and at least kind of agitate him and get him it, at no, least to work for his buckets. No, let's stop that. Because <laughs> once we see playoff, playoff Ron, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We thought, we thought last year Serge would be the guy to deter LeBron in the playoffs. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. When he goes next level, it doesn't matter who you really put on him. And so, yeah, we got bodies to rotate on them, and they'll, they'll do the best they can. I know Jalen likes to be physical with them. Shemmy, Shemmy Oja likes to be physical. But when, it doesn't really matter. I think every year, as the year go, progresses, we forget how dominant LeBron was in playoffs before. And it, it, it's almost a thing. And, and then you see it again. You go, oh, yeah, this is playoff LeBron. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm, yeah. get ahead of the, I'm getting ahead of the rotation and saying, telling everybody, no, it doesn't matter. It does, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna average forty against the Celtics if he wants to. Uh, it's gonna give, they're gonna start double teaming him. He's gonna start finding guys, and that's where the rotation breaks down. Yeah. So that, that, yeah. So we'll see. Last year, I remember watching that series Cavs Celtics, and just watching. And I remember thinking Jalen Brown's a pretty reasonable guy to throw at LeBron. And then there was maybe two, three possessions back to back where LeBron just kind of did that like drive-in spin move where he's just so much stronger and obviously so much older than Jalen, where it just showed how much bigger and more physical he is than like, obviously you know it, but man, sometimes you see it and you kind of forget just how impressive he is. It's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy how many layups and dunks he gets at his age and his size. And it's just, like you said, he's just faster and bigger and stronger than that. And, and he's so quick still, you know, so yeah, once he's in the playoffs, when he's ready to give 100% every game through a series, it's 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 going to be a load. You, I want to ask, I want to turn the question around for you guys now. What percent chance do you guys feel of dethroning the Cavs if you beat them? Uh, uh, Brian, what, you go ahead, Brian. Oh, I like our chances significantly. You know, even if LeBron plays every minute, which he may very well do, uh, Kevin Love will be presumably back, but he. It's hard to imagine him being in, in top shape. 
Uh, they've got all those guys that they turned over in terms of their, their uh, roster, whom they're still trying to work in. It takes a long time to, to create continuity and chemistry or whatever word you want to use. And they don't have a long time. And I think that uh, with the kind of depth that the Raptors have, and the fact that they all have playoff experience now, with the exception of OG Ananobi, uh, we are in a great position to take them, and I like our, our chances at 60% if we, if we in fact face the Cavs. Uh, nice. I'm, I'm not quite that high. I, I'm more when the rotation's shortened, and I don't think our bench is quite as valuable it is, as it is now. It's still valuable, don't get me wrong. But in the playoffs, when LeBron can play 44 minutes, I think it's not as valuable. I give us maybe 40, 45, similar to you. Um, I just, man, OG Ananobi's guarding LeBron James for 30-plus minutes. That's going to be tough for us. And I know you can rotate guys, and I know it's not as simple as that. But, man, when he gets to play 40 to 45 minutes, it's really tough to overcome that one singular talent. That's, all That's where it starts and stops with LeBron James, right? It's like he just – when he wants to take over a game, he makes the impact felt, and, like, it, it wears the other team down, right? Maybe not game one, game two, you know, but by game three and game four, he's just like a battering ram, and he just keeps on coming and keeps on coming. And then you might be up five late, and then he might – he'll do some he'll do some nonsense, and next thing you, know, you lose that game, and it's dispiriting. He – he breaks, he breaks spirits. The guys, and, and sooner or later, it's going to get to a point, right? We just can't do it anymore. And we just haven't seen that point yet from him, right? So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, he's truly a unique player where, like he said, it doesn't matter what seed he goes in the playoffs and he's on the court. It's going to be, it's going to be a long day for you, probably. So, uh, this will be an interesting playoff. Right. And in, in the playoffs, I think he doesn't do it. And I think smartly, he doesn't really have much of a defensive impact anymore in the regular season. I, he just, he doesn't cover ground, but when he when he's engaged on the defensive end, uh, I think that he when he's when he's in playoff mode, he's more of a uh, kind of a center fielder back there, and I think that really helps them defensively, and I think it can bring them maybe not to a top level defense, but it can bring them to at least league average defense for them is good enough. We'll see, man. And that's about the Cavs defense is that. Like you said, there are a lot of Brian said there's a lot of new guys still trying to learn, and you can see there's not a lot of connectivity between the team at times. Uh, so, can LeBron be that tie that lifts all boats? Which he has to be this season. Uh, Matt Moore, AP Basketball, he, that's his favorite statement. You know, LeBron, you, you give him five guys, you're going to the finals or whatever. He's just making everybody better. It didn't seem like that this season, and after that initial burst with the new guys, it still hasn't been like that. Like guys just aren't really playing well beside him. For some reason, so not his fault. We, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a phenomenon. So we, we'll see this playoffs if guys suddenly kind of click in and 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 start filling those roles that he needs them to fill. Well, talking about guys filling roles, Justin Thompson was out for a couple of weeks with a wonky ankle. Of course, those things can come back and bite you with no notice whatsoever. You can get hurt again in the light practice. So, well, they're they're not in good shape in terms of their health. And, and by the way, I'm not for one second down playing I saw Michael Jordan in real time. This guy is the closest thing uh, that uh, I've seen since Michael Jordan. That includes Kobe. I mean, he, LeBron is scary. It makes me wonder, Matt, if the same 
the same pharmaceuticals were available to Jordan, how much longer could he have played? Because, and I'm not mad at, I'm not mad at LeBron, but I'm pretty sure him and Dwayne Wade have been engaging in that, some package deliveries in Miami. And Miracles hey, of modern science, man. If you're not, what they say, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. I, I am not one bit mad at LeBron James for it. It's extended his career and he's been amazing and he's not getting in trouble for it. So as long as you don't get, if you're not doing anything wrong, you don't get caught. So whatever. Yeah. I mean, but, if uh, Kobe gets to go over to Germany and then all of a sudden his knee's better and we just don't question that at all. I got, I have no problem with LeBron doing what he needs to do to stay on the court. Absolutely. Yeah, man. <clears throat> all right, guys. Uh, you guys got anything else? I wanted to quickly jump back in because I, I sort of shortcutted the discussion about the 76ers in the future. Uh, I certainly agree that the 76ers are, are <laughs> a looming threat to everybody in the Eastern Conference, if not the entire NBA. The one thing I would say, well, two things I would say about them is that Ben Simmons has to get a jump shot or he will be short-circuiting short his own greatness and they need to figure out what in the world they have with Markel Fultz before too much longer. Um, I've seen film on Markel recently, and the shot looks like it's coming along. That that I cannot wait for there to be a thirty to 30, thirty for thirty on that whole fiasco. We we still know exactly what's going on, what happened there. I think he's gonna be fine next season, though. I think, you know, he's basically gonna be a rookie again. Not officially, obviously, played four games this year, but he's gonna be fine next season. And it's gonna be not only that, then whoever they get with the you know, I guess the Lakers pick this year, you know. So like that's they're gonna be. Loaded with young talent. Bets are coming, right? Like they, you saw what they got. Ilya Sova uh, and Bellinelli wanted. Guys want to play with these guys. They're going to have a little cap space. They're going to be very interesting over the next couple of years. I, I but, think um, they have max contract space this offseason. I do, too. So and to talk about Ben Simmons, uh, ugh, let's, let's be real. Sure, it's more extreme than LeBron, young LeBron. LeBron didn't have a jump shot probably until like his first after his first five, six years in the league. And I'm not saying he is LeBron, but the point is with guys, with shooters everywhere and with Embiid, it would make him better. And eventually we hope he gets one. But I think as of right now, it's not it, it's not like an issue at all for Ben Simmons. And, you know, you're right, though. No. It only makes him better. The, the jumper doesn't bother me for Ben Simmons be, because he's so big. Like at 6'10", he can – it's not like a point guard or your typical point guard that can't shoot. If, you, if you're going to play off him, then you're just going to give him a runway to the lane where he can build up steam as a 6'10 power forward running at you. I think as long as you surround him with shooters, that the jumper doesn't bother me as much as it does other people, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of other, what I think are interesting data points. So actually, I'll just drop you one. The, there are two guys on the Raptors who have a per of 15 exactly, which is mind-boggling. Uh, because, of course, that's a mythical average player. Sergi Baca and C.J. Miles. I don't know if anybody on the Celtics is a per 15, but I, I, I look at those stats all the time. And, and to see somebody at 15, one player at 15 is amazing, too, is beyond belief. Um, I'm not too shocked by, by either one of those, because C.J. is a very good player, and, I, you know, he, he, he stretches the floor, a little veteran savvy. Um, you know, he, he fills a role for, and he fills it well for Toronto. You got something from wrong again. And so, like, and, you know, he, just, he doesn't bring a lot of creation. He's not a really strong rebounder. Um, so, yeah, I can understand, you know, if he does one thing and he does it pretty well, face the floor for you guys. 
Surge has been on a downward decline. How do you guys feel Surge played this year? I haven't really watched. Uh, and sure, you guys are winning, and he's part of that. But would you say he has performed up to your expectations? He's been average, or, or I mean, above your expectations. He's been average. He's been has been below your expectations. I, I think personally, I think he's just about the exact same player he was last year, which is okay. I mean, he's not the guy he used to be, but he's. He is shooting offensively, and he's good enough, and he's still obviously a threat on defense. I mean, he's a very solid player, but he's just a guy. He has clear flaws in his game, but I don't think he's – I I think he's exactly what he is at this point, and I think he's about what I expected. What about you, Brian? I thought we have a better season from him than we have had. I don't like the fact that he's – not terribly effective uh, at taking the ball to the, to the rim, the degree that a man of his size and, and mobility should be. I think his rebounding is so-so at best. Uh, he's shooting the ball reasonably well from distance, so he, so he stretches the floor, which is nice, and he's got a nice mid-range jumper, which is also nice. But as an all-round power forward, he's, I think his per 15 is entirely accurate. So I'm, yeah, I, I would say mildly disappointed in this play, but on the other hand, we're winning, as James pointed out. We're not going to we're not going to mess with the chemistry at this point. He he can do some chase down blocks and make life miserable on occasion in the paint. So we got to keep throwing him up there as a starting power forward for sure. I, the thing that's always bothered me about Abak is I just don't think for his for as good of like all the skills he has, I don't think he has a very like natural feel of the game. And I think it always seems like he's trying to like outthink his next step instead of just letting the game come to him. You know what? I nailed it. A big problem with the Thunder, and we all we all used to yell about more ball movement for the Thunder. An issue was with that was that you had uh, Serge Ibaka and like Thabo Cephalosha playing big minutes, and Thabo's no, he's not Serge level, but neither one of those guys are natural passers, and they and like that was I didn't realize at the time, but yeah, people tell me now. The thing with Serge just couldn't make the reads. Like he, he just wasn't like he was just a step slow and a, you know if, if you're trying to be a ball moving offense, he's always like a half a fraction of a second slow on his rotation and, and reads to you know the, the ball swinging, and that matters. So that was the reason they kind of simplified things with Serge on the floor. I don't know how true that is. Uh, you know I've had I've had really plugged the Thunder guys kind of mention this to me. So um, yeah, yeah, man, you guys you hit a spot on. He just he's just not really a natural. A lot of the game has come naturally. He does he does things very well, but like he just doesn't have a great feel for the game. Yeah, you can think your way through so many possessions, but at some level, you're, if you're thinking through it, it's already too slow. So when he's in that kind of short roll game and they give the ball to him to play make, he kind of struggles in that. And that's Absolutely. his biggest flaw offensively because he's got the jumper, and if he could just pass out of that like pick and roll, it'd be so helpful. But he doesn't. So, I mean, all players have flaws. So, I guess you're living. You're you got to deal with that one for the other things he brings. But yeah, you have uh, maybe one. Brian, is that right? Sorry, I, I, we're, we're fading out here. Sorry. I was asking how much. How much is he getting paid? Uh, I think is it. Uh, I think is it twenty million. Three years, sixty-five. Twenty, twenty-one, twenty-three. Not bad for a guess. Is it yeah. not bad? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, you hit it. Not bad for guess, but uh, ugh, that's that's tough. Yeah, you know, it's it's a three year deal. He's younger than you would think. He's only twenty eight, which like it, just because he's been around so long, it feels like he's older than that. But I mean, like th- he's the same age as Demar Derozan, so. Yeah, but I feel like third, like third in the game is not aging well. I feel no. like he's already starting to show the effects of being the, you know, a hyper-athletic kind of pogo stick big man. He seemed like he's already starting to maybe start almost a downward side. You know, everyone ages different, and he's not LeBron James. It seems like he's already starting to maybe the, down, the downward tick of his career athletically. Yeah, it's he's not going down a hill, but maybe like a, sl- a small decline. Like he's Absolutely. Yeah, he's... It's kind of the same with Kyle Lowry, where they're not the player they once were. You just hope they're not aging too fast. Like, they've at least been – you hope they don't fall off a cliff here, which is always a problem when you get around that, like, 30 age. Some players kind of gradually go down, and then some just turn – Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, yeah, where you go from a guy who was – all-star NBA to the, I don't know, fifth, fourth best player on the Thunder. And just, I mean, that situation's rough for them. So, because he's definitely going to opt into that deal. So, absolutely. All right, Brian, you got any more questions? Anything? No, I think I'm really pretty glad that James joined us. Yeah, James, thank you for joining. Oh, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. A lot of fun. Uh, what do you got to plug? Anything? Uh, podcast uh, articles? Yeah. So uh, check us out over at the Dunk Tales Pod. Me and Joe Borelli. Uh, we just had a really fun episode, and I just wrote something on the Thunder. And uh, I think I'm some kind of a, a luck charm, not good or bad. It changes <laughs> because I wrote about the Thunder maybe being in trouble uh, because you know they were in danger with the playoffs and they haven't looked really good, and they've looked really good since then. So that's good. Um, it's over at B-Ball Breakdown uh, you can find us now we're part of Clutch Point so uh, just Google B-Ball Breakdown you'll find us and yeah I'll be writing some more stuff get on the ball you guys motivated me we had a great <laughs> conversation alright sounds good see you James oh yeah follow me, follow me on Twitter it's 90 Drippin there you go save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.